This is the Diet of Brussels. We are now uh, well, nearly halfway through 2021, so we're coming up to towards uh, six months of the Trade and Cooperation Agreement. And we are once again in a period of uh, really quite heightened tension between the UK and the EU. Um, a couple of months ago, I did a episode for you about uh, the question of how this relationship was working. I talked about some of the various difficulties that were in place, the kind of antagonistic attitude. And one of the things that's clear is, is that that has persisted through to now. So uh, this week we have uh, potentially a number of important uh, discussions and meetings taking place or having taken place, but none of them really look likely to unblock the matters in hand. And all of this, if you want a shorthand, comes down to sausages uh, coming from the UK or from GB into Northern Ireland. In terms of the problem, it's really quite simply stated. As part of the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, as part of the uh, withdrawal agreement, uh, the UK agreed that uh, Northern Ireland would be effectively aligned with the EU on a whole range of areas uh, relating to trade and to standards and to business practices so that there wouldn't be uh, a need for a, a hard border between uh, Northern Ireland and the Republic. And as a result, in order to protect the integrity of the EU single market, there would be a number of uh, checks and controls uh, in the Irish Sea between Northern Ireland and GB. In recognition of the uh, very delayed uh, conclusion of the Trade and Cooperation Agreement uh, back at Christmas, uh, the UK made a unilateral declaration uh, uh, around that time that it would not uh, be doing the checks on uh, a number of um, products, uh, including uh, chilled meats, which includes sausages, uh, for goods going from Northern Ireland uh, from GB into Northern Ireland. And the reason for that is that they didn't have the systems in place and that they needed six months to make adjustments. And the EU uh, accepted this uh, and said, fine, uh, we can do that. So as a way of kind of smoothing the path, uh, making an adjustment, we have got uh, then this agreement in place. Now that period is going to run out at the end of June. And what the UK has said is that it is still not in a position to implement those checks uh, and that uh, it needs uh, some kind of accommodation on that front. Now, what that accommodation might be is not so clear. Um, the UK's uh, point person on these issues, Lord Frost, uh, has said that he doesn't want an extension uh, because that would just produce uh, more uncertainty, but would instead like something which is a more standing uh, accommodation. 
And the argument largely is, is that uh, British sausages, uh, despite their terrible reputation on the continent, are actually absolutely safe. They're produced to uh, high standards uh, in the UK. Um, and as such, there's not really any problem. For the EU side, uh, this is not a satisfactory solution. Um, their view is that the, the grace period uh, on these products was there for a specific reason, which the UK had stated, namely to prepare and to adjust. The UK hasn't made uh, use of that time. It points to a whole range of things that the UK said it would do, uh, such as giving access in real time to databases uh, to the EU, um, which have not happened. And as such, uh, the worry in the EU's uh, uh, view is that this is uh, an attempt by the UK to generate a flexibility that goes against uh, both the spirit and the letter of uh, the agreement. Moreover, it matters because if the EU accepts uh, an accommodation uh, of the kind that the UK is asking for, then it establishes a precedent both for the UK in other things that aren't sausages uh, or other chilled meats, uh, and it also establishes a precedent for other trading partners. So if the UK can do it for this, why can't the Swiss, uh, why can't uh, the Canadians, etc, uh, etc. Et and so uh, there is real hesitancy uh, on the part of the EU to do anything other than uh, potentially uh, a short extension, further extension, at the end of which the UK has to comply. Now, at the risk of sounding uh, even-handed, uh, you can see both sides' arguments. In practical terms, the volumes uh, that are being talked about are relatively small. The objective risk uh, is relatively small. Um, but also you can see that there is a, a clear potential in all of this uh, to uh, generate some really big effects and some uh, big negative effects uh, for managing the relationship uh, from the EU side. The way in which this is uh, playing out is actually very familiar already. That this is flagged as an issue in uh, briefings to the media. There is uh, a series of strongly worded uh, statements from British politicians. Uh, uh, both in government and out, and that this then uh, prompts a, a rather stiff response from the uh, EU uh, and from uh, other interested parties, which then leads to a discussion at which not much happens. So that discussion uh, has taken several stages. Uh, it's uh, Thursday the 10th, of uh, June today. So yesterday we had uh, the first meeting of uh, Lord Frost and uh, Marcus Sefcovic, uh, who uh, together chair the uh, withdrawal agreements 
Joint Committee and the Trade and Cooperation Agreements Partnership Council. And uh, those two bodies basically uh, become conflated, although in strict legal terms they are separate. And they had a meeting in London uh, yesterday, uh, which, uh, what was the euphemism? Uh, a very frank discussion was had, which is diplomatic shorthand for we had an argument. Interestingly, what came out of it was not a decision, but rather a reaffirmation of the uh, positions that both sides have had. The EU uh, talked a lot about uh, being ready to go down the route of sanctions uh, and the formal dispute settlement mechanism, although not yet, uh, if, the EU, if the UK took any more unilateral action. On the UK's parts, uh, there was uh, a reaffirmation of uh, this not being... Uh, something to uh, lose too much uh, sleep over. Uh, this was a simple problem that easily resolved if just the EU would see uh, sense. And also a willingness to uh, consider all options up to and including uh, invoking Article 16 uh, of the protocol. Now, uh, as a side note, Article 16 uh, allows for uh, temporary uh, measures to be put in place in the face of serious uh, difficulties from implementing the protocol. Um, I'm not sure that uh, access to sausages from uh, Sainsbury's really quite covers the threshold. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't. But uh, as a totemic... Uh, stop uh, option, uh, Article 16 uh, remains uh, very uh, present. Uh, and I'll refer you back to uh, the episode uh, that I've already mentioned uh, about how that has been uh, misused uh, on both sides. But what we didn't have was either a collapse uh, or a breakthrough. Um, so um, that if you like, is a uh, positive, but it's a very small positive indeed. What's interesting is whether the rest of this week produces any movement, and it's hard to see how it will. Uh, the meeting of the G7 uh, in Cornwall uh, over the next couple of days is an opportunity for Boris Johnson to spend time talking to uh, a number of European leaders, but also uh, to Joe Biden, uh, who uh, is keen to ensure that uh, peace in uh, Northern Ireland is maintained. And uh, you've seen a series of statements to that effect. Whether that actually opens up the opportunity for a resolution of this issue is, um, I think, really quite small. From the British perspective, having so publicly dug themselves into uh, this position, uh, not just on uh, sausages, or even particularly on sausages, but generally on trying to reduce uh, the burden to uh, businesses of border controls, despite there being an option which uh, would seem to address most of the problems, in fact, pretty much all of the problems that have been encountered, uh, it's very hard for them to step back. 
So uh, politically, the desire to not be seen to be browbeaten by uh, others, and particularly by others who aren't even from this country, uh, I think is likely to be a barrier to all of this. Um, it's worth just saying a little bit about what this solution might be, which is a temporary uh, sanitary and phytosanitary SPS uh, agreement where the UK would dynamically align with the EU, which means that it would take on uh, or take back on EU rules uh, about veterinary standards uh, and uh, food safety checks, which would mean that uh, there wouldn't really need to be any adjustment in UK uh, regulation or uh, practice because it's only just stopped uh, following these rules and has kept uh, pretty much everything in place uh, as it works out what it wants to change. And as a result that would obviate the need for pretty much all of the checks uh, on food that are currently in place and that would allow for much freer trade. Now the UK's position on that is that this is unacceptable. And uh, to go back to uh, uh, something I've already mentioned, the reason it's unacceptable is that uh, it, it requires the UK to follow EU rules uh, explicitly. Um, the alternative option that uh, Lord Frost uh, and others have put forward is that uh, Given that the UK food uh, production is safe um, for the reason that it uh, follows uh, what is effectively EU rules um, and has very high standards, that there should be instead an equivalence uh, ag agreement, which means that uh, even though the rules might be different, they, are, they have the same effect as uh, the EU's uh, own rules. Uh, and as such, you could just say, well, fine, they're different, but they're close enough. So you don't have to uh, dynamically align and keep updating uh, as we update. Uh, but instead, you assume that everything's fine. And that's uh, a system that happens uh, with uh, some other countries the EU has relationships with, uh, such as New Zealand. Um, the uncertainty that comes is that uh, whilst uh, the UK might be closely aligned now, uh, it might not be so in the future. And particularly uh, after the experience of recent years, there's a lot of worry on the part of the EU that uh, having secured an equivalence regime, uh, the UK might then just give up on doing lots of checks because it knows it doesn't need to because the UK uh, still has access to European markets where a lot of its uh, food products go. So equivalence is unacceptable to the EU. Dynamic alignment is unacceptable to the UK. Um, and partly uh, it's also unacceptable because it would mean uh, following EU uh, food safety rules, uh, which means that it would be harder to uh, conclude trade agreements with their countries. The solution that's been offered by the EU uh, and has been endorsed uh, this week by the US is that you have a time-limited uh, SPS uh, 
dynamic alignment agreement. So you'd follow the EU's rules, but you'd give uh, lots of opportunity to the UK to withdraw from that agreement as and when it concludes a trade deal with the US, for example. Um, that uh, avoids the problem of being stuck in the system. It avoids the problem of uh, concluding trade deals. Um, and it also solves the problem of border checks. But this is still, as far as we can tell, unacceptable to uh, number 10. Uh, and as a result, we don't have a clear way out. It's hard to see that we've got anything that allows uh, for a resolution to nearly the same extent um, uh, that isn't this model. So if we come back to uh, the G7, uh, whilst that would be the obvious policy way out, um, either the UK has to accept that it very visibly uh, takes a defeat, which doesn't really strike me as the kind of approach that uh, Boris Johnson is uh, keen to do, uh, nor that of uh, Lord Frost, uh, or it has to find a way of reformulating uh, this option uh, and presenting it uh, either as a British idea that everyone accepts uh, or as having something, some kind of safeguard that allows it to say that it doesn't really matter. Now, that doesn't really matter kind of approach, I think probably uh, is the one that's most likely of all the unlikely options. But it comes back to half the problem of the relationship between the UK and the EU, namely that the EU worries that the UK signs up to things without the intention of following through. And this really goes against the grain of all international uh, treaty making and of uh, the practice that the EU follows. Ultimately, uh, this is a situation that needs a resolution. Even if this week doesn't produce a breakthrough, it doesn't mean that the problem goes away. And if anything, the problem gets worse. Uh, the uh, unilateral uh, grace period that the UK asked for and the EU uh, noted and accepted runs out uh, in about 20 days, so about three weeks. And uh, at that point, you will have uh, uh, an obvious gap in the legal uh framework that uh, whilst the UK could say it will continue to f not uh, implement checks that will create problems for uh, the, uh, the EU uh, and for Northern Ireland. So inaction is not a problem. Um, the possible solutions are unacceptable to different parties for different reasons and we don't really have uh, a framework of moving this on. Maybe the best hope is that uh, people move on to other interests and other issues, uh, that maybe if uh, Johnson is able to secure uh, some uh, big uh, high-profile wins through G7, uh, that then he's able to bury uh, work uh, on compromise uh, around the protocol um, and the EU relationship is somewhere in the back pages of the paper. Not the back pages, that's the sport. Uh, that would be impressive. But still, uh, there doesn't seem to be an interest on the part of either the government or the media to uh, brush this one under the carpet.
seen in a broader context this really points to again the continuing themes that i've talked about again and again on this podcast over the years namely that the uk is not clear about what it wants beyond wanting to demonstrate that it has uh, left the eu leaving the eu seems to mean uh, demonstrating at every available opportunity that it is not following the eu in practice or in rules or in uh, direction. Now this has been uh, helpfully termed by uh, some people online as performative uh, divergence, that you you diverge simply for the sake of diverging. Um, And we see elements of that in regard of trade deals, in regard of uh, operationalizing both the withdrawal agreement and the trade and cooperation agreement and more generally within uh, the political sphere. So we can see the way that the EU um, has uh, not been in lockstep with the UK on a number of issues. And uh, it's interesting that the G7 meeting itself is one in which, uh, whilst there's a lot of uh, clear common ground, um, whether the UK wants to find itself uh, working with uh, other European members Uh, against uh, any resistance from non-European members is a look that it's prepared to uh, accept or whether it wants to dress this up as global leadership that uh, lets it uh, demonstrate its global Britain uh, kind of approach. But diverging for the sake of diverging is limited as a strategy. It's all very well saying what you don't want, but it's not nearly the same as saying what you do want. And again, uh, I think one of the difficulties the EU has had throughout this process is not knowing what it is that the UK is trying to uh, achieve or to reach as an end state. And if you don't know what your counterpart in negotiations uh, wants, it's very hard to uh, find ways to help them get it whilst also protecting your interests. And as such, you tend to protect your own interests uh, even more strongly. So perhaps uh, I'm being pessimistic about this, but at the moment it's hard not to see uh, this uh, dragging on through the summer and getting worse before it has any chance of getting better. In the meantime, uh, we will keep uh, a watching uh, eye on all of this. Um, You can find uh, plenty of information uh, online if you want to uh, check out our website, uh, adiasofbrussels.com. You can find more information. Uh, You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Usherwood, U-S-H-E-R-W-O-O-D, where I've got lots more uh, analysis going on. And pictures of the garden as well which you may have heard in the background. So, uh, as we have more developments, I will come back to you. But until then, uh, enjoy the nice weather, and we'll talk again soon.